Thank you. 
Yogamaya acts in Krishna Leela and in Raj uh, pastimes and covers Krishna so that he totally identifies with being the mother to Soda's child or tell her boyfriend. But I've never read that Yogamaya's um, covering Lord Chaitanya and in his Leela. Does, does he know who he is all the time? So, do the people online, can they hear the question? I can't hear it. Even in here, we can't hear it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> online, they hear it. I'll repeat it here. So, uh, Samadhi, oldest member of our community, who died. You turned 80 this year, isn't it? I will this well, year. Okay. Um, only older in age, much younger in yes. <laughs> <laughs> like a young boy at heart. <laughs> So she's asked, and I'll elaborate on the question a little bit because some participants may not be familiar with the terminology and concept um, that she is, her question is centered on. She's asking about yoga maya. The word maya, of course, means uh, illusion. Um, it means that which is not. It means also to measure. The idea is that the idea that you can, in our head, that we can measure or capture or bring within the fist of our intellect and conclusively know everything about what's out there, if you will, the objective world, that's an illusion. What's out there is something. It's not what it looks like. That's uh, the objective world. And we are members of the subjective world that give meaning to the objective world. So because Maya is used, this term, Sanskrit term in its way, illusion that, that one wants to come out of, if you will, to be enlightened, my spiritual practice. Um, which, and, and, and typically yoga, properly understood, of which there are different types, is essentially a very systematic uh, methodology for rising above illusion and understanding the, the true nature of being. Mm -hmm. So if maya means illusion and yoga is the means for getting out of illusion, and a word called yoga maya is a little confusing. <laughs> so what it refers to is the fact that the in order for enlightenment of which there may be different degrees, let's say of penetration into transcendence, to have within that a possibility 
of we ourselves as individual sparks of the fire of consciousness to have an intimate relationship with the absolute, with the Godhead, with God. If we were to have a close relationship with God, like we had with our children or with our lover or our best friend, that would be very different than how many people think about a relationship with God, which is very reverential and creates a distance between ourselves and the object of love who we worship with awe. And if I was to say I was God and you believe me or not, if you believe me, you might be back a little bit. Say, oh my God. Right? So, uh, within our tradition, this intriguing possibility <clears throat> within transcendence of having an intimate relationship with the Godhead, like you would have with a friend where the reverence is transcended by love and the distance between the object of love and the level of the object of worship and the worshiper is bridged. Because after all, love in the full sense of the term, in love there is, uh, in a sense, no other. And I mean that in the dynamic sense. In other words, in love, you give me your heart and I'll give you mine. Whatever, whatever I want, my heart, you want. Whatever you want, I want. Did I say that right? So we, we, we exchange hearts, something like that. So this is a dynamic kind of unity, not a unity that cancels one another out. That's kind of not much of a unity, right? We want a unity that at the same time has a, has a a diversity that ornaments uh, the unity. Mm -hmm. So this is a very intriguing prospect to go beyond the Greek concept, for example, of agape, right? Of the venerable Godhead. That we have that possibility also, that we don't dismiss that possibility. Mm -hmm. But uh, the dispensation of Chaitanya, who you asked about, is speaking to us about a corner, if you will, uh, of, the, of transcendence that is, uh, is unique in comparison. And just as it's not very well known in the world, it's very kind of private in that realm um, as well. Mm -hmm. Peculiar, but interesting. Mm -hmm. So in order, for that possibility to exist, that we could have an intimate relationship with the absolute in which the Godhead, the majesty of divinity is overwhelmed, overcome by the measure of our affection. I mean, think of it like this. It could be a little boring if no one could get close to you. Um, let's take the example of a movie star or a celebrity in the sports realm or whatever may be the case um, they in public often like 
well, to wear sunglasses. So they will not be recognized. So people, oh, can I have your autograph? And, and they want to have like a normal life. Hmm? People want to be great, celebrated, but then when they get there, it's like, <laughs> um, it's not everything that it was cracked up to be. And there are some problems that come with it. Hmm? Omniscience sounds like a good idea. What about omnipresence? You could be everywhere. Well, sounds good, but then there'd be nowhere to go. <laughs> you already know everything. Well, what's, what's to do? Mm -hmm. So in circumstances like that, you could say, well, what do you do when you're bored? You play, you make up something. Mm -hmm. This is a, a way of thinking about the word Leela, which means in Sanskrit play, the play of the absolute, mm -hmm. where the God who is everywhere, mm -hmm. How can you move if you're everywhere? It's nonetheless moving. Mm -hmm. So to create that, there needs to be some, some veil, if you will, uh, that's employed that makes the infinite appear like us who are finite. Because if we get close to the infinite, we'll just be pushed back a little bit. It's not a bad thing to do it reverentially and, and so forth, but if we're to get as close as we're talking about, like friend to friend, hmm? lover and beloved, and so forth. Well, the absolute, the infinite, has to take on a finite like appearance. Appearance. Now, the finite like appearance will make the Godhead look less to the naked eye than the power, all powerful Godhead. Hmm? But it's actually more hmm? in terms of love. Hmm? So, yoga maya is a word that's used to refer to that potency within divinity by which he covers his uh, majesty and appears in a form that's human-like, for example, that we can get close to him. That's the concept. Now, this is very clear in Krishna's uh, Vishnu is the god. Forehanded, he's depicted, which means he's obviously not human, right? Uh, sometimes your mother says, you know, daughter's pulling on the skirt, Mom, I, I don't have four hands, okay? I've only got two hands. <laughs> I can remember my mother saying that. <laughs> so, but he got four hands. He can, he, he can do it, he can do not much more. Um, it's a very additional, very interesting. Who's your brother? Brother is your brother-in-law? Is it or no? Uh, someone. The pastor is the is the was the brother of Connolly, the theologian. Oh, Carl, yes, Carl. Uh, that pastor. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and that's a Baptist. He's a Baptist, mm -hmm. like you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, he must be kind of like you, yeah. <laughs> he wrote extensively on, on the Hindu conception of God, in which God is worshipped reverentially. That's a particular dimension of transcendence. And the depiction of the Godhead there was very particular, actually. And, and, uh, and it's, uh, as far as I know, the only religious tradition that tells us such details about God. You can, as I say, believe it or not, but but you have to believe the people who believe it because they're believable mm -hmm. in terms of their character. They're, you know, they carry with them 
anything that would be deemed valuable in terms of a quality, a godly quality they imbibe or they, they, they represent that you would find in any other religious, religious tradition. They're highly morally, you know, um, stout, or, or highly stout, but they're morally stout. <laughs> and, um, and, and, uh, uh, have, have harnessed the human passions, which is unbelievable, uh, supernatural. Hmm? Uh, harness the mind. I was speaking the other day. There's different ways to think about the mind. You can think about it through the physical sciences and think, hmm, it must be just a brain. Hmm? Or you could think about it through psychology. I think, well, it may be a brain, but it works like this, and we have to deal with it. People. Better off. Or you could look at it through the mind and the words of someone who actually controlled their mind. That's, you might think, well, maybe they know something about the mind. They've mastered the mind. The mind's not just dragging them here, there, and, and everywhere. So these types of people, saintly people, as saintly as you can find in, uh, in the Christian tradition or another you know, uh, religious tradition, you can find in the, for example, the Roman tradition of Vaishnavism. But there also you find this idea about God. So nowhere else is talking about it to such extent. So you kind of got to give that a little bit of, hmm. No one else says what he looks like. So maybe that's what he looks like. <laughs> maybe that's what he's like, right? So, and he's not appearing on earth per se, which makes it more confusing and so forth. <laughs> but he has, but, but, uh, but but uh, Krishna, on the other hand, is human life. So it seems like, well, it's like harder to think of him as a god. But the way I'm explaining it is, is how we, we should think of it. But that the majesty of the god is an aspect of the divinity, just like the, the, the stellar athletic performance or the Academy Award winning. Um, uh, uh, Performance is a is a is a is a, a shakti, a majesty a, uh, that wows us, so to speak, um, when displayed by someone that creates a distance between us and him that he or she often likes to repress and put sunglasses on and just you know whatever go to the Starbucks or something. Um, so that side of him or her with the sunglasses is actually more hmm? because the dramatic performance of the spectacular feat in the Olympics is, is an aspect of that person. It's not everything about that person. Hmm? I mean, let's take, you know, uh, we know a person as the president, let's say, of a nation. We're part of a nation and we have a president and so we have some regard for the president or we don't, but I'm mean, supposed to, so we go for, for the, you know, the majority uh, rules principle of democracy, let's say. So you, you show respect, you call him Mr. President and so forth. Well, you know, um, um, his mother thinks, you know, it's just Joe, you know, or, or Barack or whoever it is, you know, um, and, and the president just an aspect of, of himself or his wife 
knows him by other names that don't get into the public. That side is more of him than his presidency. So that the, the, when the Godhead covers himself to be, to afford intimacy of association and union and love with his devotees, that is more. Krishna amongst all the uh, features or aspects, faces, different faces of God, just like we have different faces of ourselves. We have a face at work, we have another face um, when we're with our girlfriends doing something, we have another face when we're with the kids um, and, and we're known by different names in those circles as well. So God has many faces, corresponding with different types of, of devotion, love and so on and so forth. But in Hinduism, we, we see this. So uh, it's often said, oh, there's like 33 million gods in Hinduism. Isn't that weird? You know, but then it's not well understood. Hmm? In Hinduism, you have a god for everything. Hmm? It means that, for example, everything means nature, everything in nature. We realize that we're dependent upon the macrocosm of nature in order to function in terms of our microcosmic psycho-physiological uh, self. For example, in order for our eyes to see, we need a sun. For our mind to be peaceful or enlivened, we need it too. Right? Mm -hmm. And other aspects of nature we're dependent upon. Our senses are just not independent. If there was no wind, no air, well, we couldn't speak. So, so the Hindus, they, they, they look at nature as, well, in order for us to function within nature, we're dependent upon the macrocosm, so we revere it. We have regard for it. So we do Surya Namaskar as a yoga asana, respect to the sun and so forth, and so on. In, a, in an aggregate, agrarian or rural culture, we're dependent upon the mountain, the river, and so forth. So all these uh, powerful, prominent manifestations of nature, we regard them. So we have a loving kind of approach towards nature. And it's said, if you love someone, they'll tell you all their secrets. So the secret of nature is that it has a soul and it's us. That objective world, as a subjective observer that, that, that we are. So many gods, but these are all material nature as a whole, even if we find it worshipable in terms of uh, necessity, if we're honest, to show gratitude towards nature. It's a form of love, gratitude. Um, uh, to hold the entirety of nature that we've, we've uh, attributed some measure of divinity to, hmm, that we recognize we're dependent upon. So we say thank you, we, 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 have, we have regard. It's, the whole of it, it's just like a shadow of the Godhead. So there are different faces of God. 
with the partial manifestations of divinity here and there. So, but then the whole of the Godhead, the sum and substance of the Godhead. Hmm. So you is one another thing you find in Hinduism, Hinduism different gods, goddesses, and they're depicted in different ways with different powers and different um, things that they do that, that are their duties, responsibilities, or things that they preside over and so forth. When we come to Krishna, this form of the Godhead, he's got nothing to do. He plays his flute and uh, sports, and he had, he's not adorned or accompanied by any weapons or a carrier per se. Um, it gets carried at all by his friends who wrestle with him and feed him, and then they have to, he has to carry them. They have to carry them. He becomes a carrier. He lost. So they have a wrestling match, for example, in the intimacy, as young boys will do. Right? So the point being, if you want to play, you have to have some power. That means if you want to take a vacation, you have to have some money in the bank. You have to have some credits with the company. Say, okay, yeah, we can give you those days off and go and see Swami for a few days. If you have to, so you have to have some power to play. So he or she, the Godhead, who is depicted as all playful, must be all powerful. There's a lot of power to that. The majestic, overt power that causes reverence is just an aspect of that. Right? So this is Krishna. Now, your question is about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Who is the is the is Krishna appearing as a devotee of himself? Put simply, to teach us by example how uh, to be devoted to Krishna. How by chanting, for example, the name of Krishna, uh, you can attain uh, enlightenment, love of God, and he exhibited that ecstatic symptoms that he manifested as an effect of chanting are just overwhelming. There's no person in religious history, cross-culturally, who more represents a body of ecstatic love, with tears like pouring like a fountain from his eyes, weeping in ecstasy, not in lamentation, but in ecstasy, that uh, by, as an effect, uh, result of chanting the name. This is one of the symptoms, the whole, Next, ecstasy is just a word that was ecstatic, you know. But I mean, it's not just because we won the Super Bowl, it's ecstatic. That's a different kind. Outside of ecstatic, really means I would agree, outside beyond the senses, beyond what you can experience through feeding your senses mm, uh, on the objects of the senses that send impulses or messages to the mind that we like or we don't like. Mm, you could take all the possible pleasures of all of the senses of all of the species hmm, available in a big syringe and inject yourself with it. <laughs> it would not be ecstasy. <laughs> ecstasy is some beyond that. It's beyond the mind. The mind stops and wonders at it. Hmm? Hmm. Verse. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Mm. 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 Mm
Only one time in two years, and the ecstasy that's found in the two syllables Krishna, I, I, I can't take advantage of it with two years only and one tongue. Um, when it enters into the courtyard of my heart, it dances there, and I just look at that in, in, in wonder. I need help, more ears, more tongues to take advantage of the. Of the, of the all that's contained there, the love, the ecstasy, the bliss, ananda. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he, he's a student of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu exhibited this. And it's, it, as such, he's a very important uh, religious figure in the world that in a Eurocentric world is not very well known. Hmm? So that's something we're not um, we like to change, which is a good idea. There's a lot of problems with uh, Eurocentrism. This, this people are starting to understand from a social point of view, from an environmental point of view, hmm? from a political point of view. You're talking about it also now from a spiritual point of view. Hmm? I mean, we, we respect Jesus of Nazareth with all, with, uh, all uh, 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 do. Uh, and what they do, and more, um, but he was sold, if you will, in pagan Europe, um, largely uh, to others, as a person whose miracles, miracle exceeded uh, all the other miracles, the so-called miracles of the superstitious, the shamans, and he, he rose from the dead. There's a reason that Christianity on the basis of this kind of thrust and, 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 and effort to convert was not very successful in India. It's just like, <laughs> you <know> anything else? <laughs> you know, <laughs> this, is like, this is always the fascination, especially in the 60s, but go to India. That's where the mystery is. That's where the, you know, they got people rising from the dead all the time, rising other people from the dead, you know, dying and coming back, and telling you you're coming back too. It's a very different, uh, different, different world, mm -hmm. but it's part of our world. It's part of Earth. You might think, well, you know, do I really have to have a god from another culture? How about a god from the same planet? <laughs> How's that? <laughs> you got to appear somewhere on, on on the planet. So if you chose that place, I mean, that place is, is has some some speciality to it. Mm -hmm. May appear partially in other places, and we think that Jesus is, all, for example, also a manifestation of the, of, of the Godhead and so forth. But, but it's a really much, much to be found there in Vaishnavism, Hinduism about about God, as we're saying. So, so Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, in historic time, only you know five hundred plus years ago, appeared and demonstrated the the, the veracity, if you will of the myth of Krishna, because 
by employing or by um, by embracing, I should say, the name of Krishna, which he said is now different from Krishna. He exhibited the, the corresponding ecstasy and the mastery of human compassion and so forth, which itself is supernatural on the power of that name. Um, so, um, very important spiritual figure. Now your question is, he's Krishna in a, in a different descent. It's kind of disguised as a devotee of himself. So where is this yoga maya we talked about earlier that covers the majesty of the absolute and, and causes the absolute to appear finite-like so that the finite of ourselves can be intimately associated with them. Long explanation, but I hope you find it useful mm -hmm. overall. The answer to your question, of course, is that what if you take the realm of Vrindavan and the realm of Navadvip, the latter being the realm of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, in which Krishna has Chaitanya appears, the land is called what? Sadaka Siddha Bhumi. Sadaka means practitioners, like ourselves. Siddhas means the perfection of that practice. Bhumi means land. Navadvip is the land where siddhas appear like sadhakas. And the yoga maya, the covering, the veil, is, is the veil that causes them to think they're sadhakas, mm -hmm. they're practitioners. Mm -hmm. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself mm -hmm. thought he's the godhead, mm -hmm. but he's my pandit, he's, he's Vishwambar, mm -hmm. the son of Jagannath Mishra. I know him. We grew up together. There's intimacy there. The intimacy with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is, is a kind of a yasya that's, that's uh, influenced by, by sakya, by friendliness. And so you can hold the hand of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Go to the kirtan, the Shivasangam. Mm -hmm. um, he, he's not in Navadvipa. Overtly perceived as God, but sometimes that will, will show up, then it will disappear, show up, mm -hmm. disappear. Mm -hmm. In Jagannath Puri, where he starts to be, the veil is uncovered a little bit because sannyasa, there's some Aishvara and creating some distance. So, does that answer your question? Hmm? Yeah. Krishna Chaitanya is actually thinking. Prima Gandhosti. There's not a, not, a, not a scent of frame of love for God in him, touching that position. That's yoga maya. Right. He thinks there's not a, a scent of it in him, touching that position. And he's the very abode of it. So she kind of withdraws, like when he, yeah. uh, like, he like you were talking about last well, Krishna night. Krishna has, has Lila Shakti. Madhurya side and Aishvarya side. So even in Krishna Lila, sometimes mm -hmm. Aishvarya Shakti will find a role in the Lila. Here's my chance. Yeah. I don't have much of a chance here, but here's my chance to do something. You understand? Yeah. Another question? Another question. Yes. So in the 
the material world is, is you have to find like a balance, like not let yourself get too up or too down. Um, and you're speaking of this ecstasy, which I've been gifted just even a taste of it. So how do we know when we're just letting ourselves go into that, but not letting ourselves get sentimental about it, you know, to where we're going up and then crashing afterwards? Well, um, I think that uh, you say you have a little taste of it. Um, you would have to evaluate what you mean by that, what you think is a taste of what we're talking about. And I don't mean to say that what you're experiencing is not what we're talking about in general. There's a lot to go to the Vaishnavism that can make us enthusiastic, um, happy, um, joyful. And then there's the ecstasy that can, um, that in, 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 a, in, in a very basic sense, will make us feel, have no appetite for anything whatsoever in the world. Nothing, nothing has any holds any attraction. Then it may, the ecstasy is, as if you're not a siddha, you're getting a shadow. We call it a boss, a shadow of Bob. You come to a festival like this, there's good association, there's kirtan, and then suddenly you, you, you enter into a little bit of a, of a trance of ecstasy. At that time, that's what you're talking about. This is the shadow of Baba. And uh, in that, there's no question of, hmm, how should I think about this? It's not going on at that time. How should I think about this? When it goes away, then you might think about it. Hmm. Where did that come from? How did I get more of that? And so on. Because it answers all questions. Because it stops the mind. It's not because we have a mind that we can think that we know. The mind gets in the way of knowing. Not because we have eyes that we can see or ears that we can hear. They get in the way of all the, the what, it, what is sound, what is the sound of the Godhead, the thought of the Godhead. Um, so, with the material mind, you, you, you have to come to that. So it stops the mind. It it, it, it uh, freezes the, the senses, so to speak, and and itself comes out a little bit. The, the, the atma. So um, um, told before it's it's a, it's related. Young lady had a, uh, was pregnant. And first time, and uh, it was getting very late in the pregnancy, and um, she was uh, at, at any time, you know, within a few days, she would go into labor. It was thought so. She needed to take some rest. So she with her mother. She told her mother, "I'm going to take some rest. If I go into labor, wake me up." <laughs> <laughs> Mom said, "There's no need for that." <laughs> so, <laughs> it answers it answers all questions <laughs> confirms our participation in this the value of it the validity of it um veracity of the, of the teaching more so than all the teaching combined all the philosophy that's only to help us have a moment of experience that will 
precarious beyond doubt it could be a right arising in mind of the distractions and so forth so i don't think it's uh you know the, the fc is a problem um we 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 want to be balanced uh psychologically that will help us to practice as far as balancing our spirituality yes there, the balance will be that we have to be skillful in our practice and understand what the objective is and then determine by that how uh, how I'm faring in terms of accomplishing that by different practices. And see, maybe some practices are more useful for me to help me become absorbed than uh, for someone else. For someone else who may be hearing other you know, maybe chanting or other you know, worshiping the form of Krishna and so on and so forth. And um, that's uh, kind of the, the balance. You have to be a thinking uh, person, not just a, these are the rules. I'm doing them. Uh, you know, that may be good at, at, the, at the beginning, but we uh, encourage the disciples to think about what the, the purpose of them is, what is trying to be accomplished by that, and then see. Tell your temperature if it's happening. Hmm. Um, uh, is that helpful? Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Good question. What else? There's a question in the chat. Sadly yes, <clears throat> asks, I have a question why Srila Sridhar Maharaj says it is not good to perform Rathyatra and Navadweep in Mayapur in order to respect the Baba of the local Vasis because this reminds them of Mahaprabhu taking sannyas. She wants, Sadly, you want me to talk about it, I guess. Yes, that's an interesting Yes, please. Um, Story or event. Um, put Sridhar Maharaj, uh, there was another Gaudiya Acharya, mm -hmm. a friend of Kutipat Sridhar Maharaj, Dr. Pilkin Keshav Maharaj, who actually helped Sridhar Maharaj to secure the property that became um, his monastery. After his departure, Keshav Marsh, some of the disciples of Keshav Marsh wanted to perform a Rathayatra in Navadweep. And Sridhar Marsh suggested this was not a good idea because the, the, the Basis, the Dom Basis of Navadweep, they don't like, as we have been discussing in the last few nights, the idea of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu becoming a renunciate, which creates, creates some distance between themselves. And then he goes off to Javan Puri, where uh, the is is celebrated. Although the, many of the inhabitants never would go to Puri for the Rathayatra, nonetheless, when they got there, Vishwambar was Sri Krishna Jaitanya. Oh. And, uh, and it's, it's not like Navadi. So his idea was if you perform Rathayatra, which they wanted to do in general and uh, get some participation through that, raise some funds and, and divert some courses, a preaching type of a strategy. So he, he, he said that the, that the internal, even invisible uh, to you, residents of Namibu were all here. We're going to perform Rathiatra here. You're not going to. And they really remind them of that. They, that's not the best idea. It's just this theological um, insight. 
he suggested if you want to do a rod, you know, rod the other generically just means a, a, a uh, rod means a cart, you know, chariot, and you know, sort of procession and so forth. So, so it's not, uh, it's common to take the deity on a rod thing. In the procession, it's it's actually mentioned of this used to send to follow after the the, the Roth parade or call it, of, of of the deities and you know, the bhakti and these could this could be the result and so it's a positive thing. So he said you should why don't you have a rock of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu coming back to Navadvi, which he did on one occasion in Sri Returned right to Navadvi, and you can imagine the joy of the Dambasis at that time. Uh, Krishna's Kaviraj explains it in one uh, verse that there were so many people enthusiastic to see him that they filled the whole Ganga, the whole Ganges, mm -hmm. and the other people walked on their heads. So, he was saying everybody was like. And Sri Krishna, Nimai Pandit became Sri Krishna Chaitanya. By that time, they heard about him, celebrated his conquests, and, and uh, his extraordinary successes. And now he's, he's coming back amongst us. So he, so he suggested you know, do it like that. That was the idea. Uh, does that answer the question, Sandy? Yes, thank you so much. She said yes. He says yes. Yeah. So was, that was a good idea. I don't know if the advice was, was idea was followed, but there's another question in the chat. Oh, there's another one in the chat. Okay. Yeah. It's a, can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Um, this is from Matthew, and he has his question is. In this material realm, we have male and female bodies, but understand that as spirit souls, we do not have these designations. Yet our goal in the Rag Marg is to attain a spiritual body, which will be either male or female. And Radha and Krishna are, in some sense, male and female. Can you please explain the male-female dichotomy in spiritual realm? Okay, thank you for your question, Matthew. I was hoping you would come and visit us this time here. Um, so I'm standing on the East Coast, but uh, maybe the next time you can come. Um, but to answer your question, uh, yes, uh, spirituality from a material point of view is genderless, right? It transcends gender uh, distinctions, which are arising out of Identification with matter, uh, product of our karma, and so on and so forth. Um, we have to then remember that this is an illusory realm because, well, you could be a man, but then you could turn into a woman, right? I mean, you could even do that in this life by. Uh, Transgendering, let's say, you know, uh, in a way that works better with your mind than your body does. Mm -hmm. That's an interesting argument. Uh, 
what is harder to do as an aside what is harder to do to change your body or to change your mind mm, it's harder to change your mind actually. so if you have a body of a man but you have a mind of a woman well, maybe you should change your body <laughs> uh, but some fanatical people in religion say no you should change your mind and you know, think without thinking about it, you reduce the mind to the brain, to the physical, instead of giving it its place. So, as probably say, make up your mind when he was asked by one of his students many, many years ago, who uh, was physically uh, equipped in a way in terms of gender sensibilities that didn't match with his or her, their mind. <laughs> and wrote the problem, probably said, pick one and stick with it. <laughs> and, and get on with the, with, with the practice by which you will transcend these, uh, these uh, malleable or changeable gender uh, distinctions. If not in this life, it will be in the next life. You can be a woman, next life a man, and so on and so forth. So you have to think about it like this. The whole gender sensibility is part of an illusion. Now, it's an illusion, we could even call it almost like a reflection of the spiritual realm, let's say, at least in the realm of transcendence where it is human-like, which is the Krishna Leela, right? To put it another way, somebody asked me some time ago, Marsh, he pulled me aside and said, is there any quote-unquote real Sex life in Krishna Leela, even the Brahma in Krishna. I said, No, oh, you don't understand. There's no real sex life in this world. It's only an illusion, it's a distortion. Um, so the perverted, if you will, form of gender sensibilities, that's what we're experiencing, and they don't work, and we need to transcend them. But there are transcendent and, uh, gender sensibilities of sorts um, that are the ecstasies that, uh, are, for example, paternal um, love or romantic love, or again, parental love, you have, you have both and so forth. And, and that said, there, these are also obviously ways of trying to put into words. And uh, in, in explain relative to our present experience, the preoccupation, a realm and a reality that transcends words and transcends thought. So there's a couple of ways that I've laid out here, I think, to think about it that there's real gender sensibilities that aren't a problem, or that, well, we're trying to talk about something. It's beyond word, beyond thought. We're using terms from here. For example, say that Krishna has a form. Okay, the body is like this, but it's not like. We say it's human-like. Well, the like looms as large as the human side, if not more in one sense. Amyan, yes, just like and so forth. All the senses are interchangeable. It has no means, and there's a way of um, 
you know, we, we try to talk about the form of Krishna. So as best we can, we answer questions like that and then say, why don't you go there and find out? Is it how probably typically answer all such questions? Go there and find out, which is actually a good, a good answer. But if you know our intelligence may require some, it be addressed a little more comprehensively. But that rearing up its ugly head as it is, trying to intelligence capture the whole thing. I'm not accusing of that magic by any means, but we do that, and we have, it has to be put in its place. And it only goes so far. It's a good tool, it can be used, intellect, mind, senses, and all. But they have their, their, their limitations. Does that help, or does that foster further questions or doubts that you'd like to address? That's very helpful. Thank you. Well, thank you for your question. Hope to meet you soon, personally. Another question? Yes. You were talking about the difference between uh, Goranga and Abhijit, and also after he took sannyas. And I was just wondering about that difference and thinking about, well, I guess Krishna and Nadav, Krishna and Dwarka. And is that difference enough of a difference to point out some things like on, is there more majesty in? Jagannath for instance? Or? Yes, certainly there's more majesty there. As I've said, the sannyas ashram itself is creating majesty. It's creating a distance. Now he's wearing a different color. And it sticks out different from anybody else. He doesn't have a sikha. He doesn't have a thread. He's a Brahmin, he's a sannyasi. He's no longer a family person. Now we leave, everybody's like, this is your brother, this is your cousin, that's your second cousin, your third cousin. And you know, it's much more of a village um, setting, right? And there's intimacy. And the mothers, children have many mothers, uh, for example, many fathers. Chandra Shekhar would have a father for taking them off the passing each other in Tanisha. And so when he becomes a sannyasi, all that's gone now. Now he has to, not only that, but he's. Ecstasy at the sannyasi, which was overt, it created distance between himself and, and um, his, his devotees. He ultimately ended into, into by the force of his spiritual practice, an internal life and a public life. He ended into a private life. And he could not. Um, could only think of sitting with Krishna deep and, and so forth. So, um, yeah, there's a, there's a distinction. Dwarka, uh, Jagannathpur is a moment in Dwarka. That's what it is. We'll talk about that before talking about Chaitanya. We'll talk about going to Jagannathpur. But yeah, it's, it's definitely Aishwarya. There, the Aishwarya is. So forth. So there's six opulences and majesties, if you will. Two of them are knowledge and renunciation, the serious and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the extreme. His renunciation frightened the elder sannyasis, the measure of it, and his knowledge, even as before his sannyasis and the prime. 
it's super extraordinary. So we see these confidences and even really come out when you he gives, for example, conversion of Sarabona. I mean, Sarabona was a big hit. Hello. Is that help? But use an apt comparison of Krishna goes to Mathura to work at Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Goes to, goes to Chaitanya Puri. Yes. I was wondering about uh, the reading about Chaitanya Bhagavat on our way to your lecture on Nagar Purnim. But the Yuga avatars in Dwapar Yuga, Krishna's teaching uh, Yuga Dharma. To worship deities, deity worship. So is there any mentioning how he does that? We see uh, this would like a Govardhan Leela be one of those, perhaps? Like he, I don't know if he directly teaches the worship of Govardhan as a deity. So. Krishna in Vrindavan is not the is not the Yuga Avatar. Right. Krishna comes once in the day of Brahma. He's not a Yuga Avatar. But the Vasudeva Chatul Yuga, Vasudeva Sankar, Shantadina, so there's some, some majesty to them. I think that there's a third in the Dwarfi Yuga mantra, corresponds with them And so the Yuga there worshipped, as we see, for example, by the monks and Padayas, we could maybe that anyway. That let's say Sankarshan, Vasudev, Anuruddha, Pradhuna, these are all in extended form by Kuntabhidis. They also have the role in Krishna Lila. That's in Goloka, but they're all, I believe that they, it's being referred to there for Dwarpa Yuga is more in line with the idea of the Vaikuntha deities. That's it, you know, yes, Krishna came in, in a special Dwarpa Yuga where the Dwarpa Yuga was. What overlapping with the Kirti Yuga and he appeared after it or something like that. It said, I'm not an expert on the other Yuga, so I'm trying to figure out the color Yuga. Take advantage of what's been made available to us. Uh, so it's a curious question, interesting, but um, you can look the extent to which I'm aware of, of course, what said in the 11th Canto, where the Carvajan Muni is speaking about the different. Uh, Avatars, their color, their mantra, and the worship that's that they recommend. What else? Yes. Guru Maharaj, you had mentioned the other day there about, uh, you know, when we take birth in the Katlula before we go back to Golo. And you had mentioned that there was a possibility, or maybe I misunderstood it, there was a possibility of taking first in Navajo. The, the, the Navajo. I wonder if you can make a comment on that. I've never heard that before. Why not? <clears throat> what, what reason? What reason would you give that would not be possible? Oh, I don't know. I just never heard it before. I always have any Krishna Leela before we write Any Prakat Leela, any manifest in this world, ha has to have. 
not only the associates who come with Chaitanya, but the people who aren't associates, but have a birth in which they can take advantage of those associates. So we find, we do find salikas or even converts in the Prakat Lila. Sarboma is a convert. Right. Sarboma, according to Gorgadmashtipika, is uh, maybe Prihaspati. He's a convert. Not only externally, but internally, he's, he's not a he's not a Nityasiddha coming with Chaitanya. So there are many such uh, persons. Mm -hmm. And so that means that, uh, that there's the prospect of taking birth and through that Leela coming into um, the teachings and the experience of uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Mm -hmm. So that would be through the worship of. I think that, I mean, sorry, continue for a second. I think that it's important to note that the Goswamis, who have this point is raised by Rupa Goswami and Rupa Nirmani, commented on by Goswami. Their focus is Krishna Lila. Their focus is also Gaur Lila, but it's much more Krishna Lila because they're having a hard enough time selling the idea of Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam in the religious. Community and these well established uh, Vaishnava lineages or the Shankar lineage there that they're, they're saying, hey, you know, there's, there's a little more to be said about this. And uh, by the way, um, Narayan is, is, a, is, a, is an avatar or an expansion of Krishna, but the other way around. It's like, wow, you know, they, they, have, they did a good job of backing up their, their statement. And selling it, but then on top of that, say, and by the way, and 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 and, and in that, to emphasize the role of Radha over Lakshmi and over Krishna. So it's a big task that Mahabharata burdened them with, if you will, and then they rose to the occasion. But their focus and their literature will much more be about. Krishna, they'll say obeisances to Chaitanya, Bhagavan, and then the whole book about Krishna, right? And Astaka, eight verses about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, for example, Rupa Goswami's Astaka described to him on his way down, walking from Mahaprabhu to Krishna, with a rope with knots in it, and so forth, was counting on, and so forth. So, comparatively, there's just very little written by the Goswamis about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and volumes and volumes about, about Krishna. Mm -hmm. So it's up to us to you know, bring out a little more over time than we, we already do with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. This is a way in which we can, we can, we can do that. So, in his book, he says, you know, you should take burden of Prakat. You, know, you have to understand, what are the implications of that? Why is he advocating that you have to take birth or, for the most part, maybe exceptions? It's not in Prabhu's great Bhagavatam. We find Kumar didn't do that. So there may be exceptions, but this is the general rule. What's the, what's, what's the principle behind the rule? The principle behind the rule is that rasa is a churning of bhava. 
It may take some time to attain bhava. And if you attain bhava, the Goswami says, still in that life, then you should take another birth in that bhava so that you can get, it can come to rasa, frame hmm? rasa. Hmm? The principle there is this, this is, takes some churning, some condensation. It will take some time. Hmm? So with regard to the Brajalila, Krishna, it's one thing to attain a stai bhava as the, as, the, as, the, as, a, as a handmaiden of Radha. Hmm. That's another thing to develop, or a friend of Krishna's Lord. No, another thing to develop the Pranay, the Man, Radha Maharaj, Mahabhav, hmm. right? Which is all, well, all of which are operative in the Leela. And they are such, these, these ideas, it's very difficult to talk about them. Hmm. But if you associate with persons who, who have that, uh, those associates of Krishna, then, then it can be imbibed. Mm -hmm. So this is the idea. Vishnu says it's practically impossible to attain all, all these extensions of the Stahibhav without that hands-on association. I've given an example before that if you, in the United States, we have football teams with a professional and then the mm -hmm. colleges have a team. So the best uh, students from the college because of their athletics are drafted to join the, 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 the professional teams. When they join the team, they get a shirt, they get a you know, helmet, they get a number and everything like that. And then they find that the play, the level of the play is much faster because now everyone is the best of the athletes there. Whoa. And so it's, it's on another level. So in order for them to be able to be productive and members and real meaningful participants in professionally, they need to go through practices with those veterans. And then gradually they can be inserted into the you know starting lineup or something like that. So, so this is the idea. So if you understand the principle that's involved, well, obviously it applies to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's group as well. You're already going to find that to service and have all these um, such depth of, of experience and, and for that matter, our ideal is to attain a Swarup in Gaurila, in Dasi Bhakti, right. as well as in Krishna. In fact, Bhakti Mulakapa says that by by attaining Das, Dasi Bhakti and Gaurila, then uh, Madhuri Lila for Krishna, it's automatic. Sarsavi said, the more that you emphasize Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the closer you come to Radha. We have a temple in Alagaria, where Ashwamai stayed there and four of the deities. There's Krishna Balaram deities there. Someone said, Where is Radha? I said, You're not looking close. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So if you understand the concept, so, so, so you have to take birth in Parfavi. Okay. Well, maybe why? What does it mean? What's the implication of that? So well, those things are explained there. So if we understand that, then we can apply the same. Um, and what's happening, what we see in the in, in the Lila of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu when Navadvi from Parfavi is he's doing Sankirtan in the house of Shiva Stakur. And he's revealing to all the siddhas who are under Yoga Maya thinking they're sadhikas, as the Yoga Maya lifts on him. Oh. And you are so and so in Krishna Lila. See me, I am Krishna. See, see me, I am Mahaprabhu. And you 
Maharaj or Hanuman, showing them who they are in Ramlila or in Krishna Lila, for the most part in Krishna Lila. So you can enter there, he will show you as well. So yeah, it's not something that's been written about, but if you understand the concepts, the principle, you can certainly apply it. Wonderful. I mean, I'm assuming that's why Prabhupada introduced going to die. Well, Prabhupada introduced Gornatai to the world because um, he is very empowered by Nityananda Prabhu at his request that he placed before Krishna to be able to accomplish the tasks uh, that his guru asked of him, which was to effectively uh, translate this spiritual culture in foreign lands. And um, so empowered by Nityananda Prabhu, he has deference to Nityananda Prabhu. And of course, he's also born in a family with deference to Nityananda Prabhu and the work that he did in Saptagram, living the people's there, and so on and so forth. And he's a patron, a patron saint of his family, as Udarnata Thakur, who is the best assistant of Nityananda Prabhu in terms of wife dissemination. Nityananda Prabhu is characterized for his. Uh, by dissemination of Gaudi's Vaishnava. is characterized for other reasons and Madhurita for others, and all of them, you can say each one is the best. I mean, this, this, this is proof. Mm -hmm. But this was Nityananda's uh, particular um, um, expertise for whatnot. Why dissemination? He didn't write a bunch of books like Rupa Islam. Mm -hmm. that, was, that was what Mahabharata will commission him to do. Mm -hmm. And so, given that Prabhupada was charged by his guru for wide dissemination and other things I've mentioned, yes, he worshiped Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Nityananda Prabhu. They're very merciful. So, as I said the other day, we can make little deities that them, give them to people and say, wave incense and then chant Hare Krishna, and all your desires will be fulfilled. He wouldn't do that with deities of Radha and Krishna. When he introduced the worship of Radha Krishna, he was nervous. But for Gornatai, I mean, the, the, the best deity worshiper of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was uh, uh, Gorgas Pandit. I mean, what he would cook for his Chaitanya Mahaprabhu told him to make deities out of beam of himself and Nityanandabu. So he did that. This was prior to his taking sannyas. So, arguably, one of the first deities of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He used to cook with them, make jewelry and so forth. And the labor, the intensive labor, if you will, that he was involved in for the worshiping of the pained Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's heart. And he said, You know, in this avatar, you just offer me some simple vegetable and some uh, simple flower garland. I don't need any jewelry or anything. Else. And that pained. Cory does ponder. So, but Machetan and Mahaprabhu, they're very generous. Um, they, don't, they don't overlook offenses and so on and so forth. So, this is wonderful. This is the reason why he emphasized the right established for his Gradually, I mean, I think his first. Uh, what was the first uh, Radha Krishna TV that would that have been? No, that was later. Oh. In Los Angeles? What, 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 what? Oh, 
Yeah, yeah. So what, which temple did he establish? What I think he established the Lutheran workers in the Los Angeles temple in Los Angeles before the cult city. I don't, know, I don't remember the history, but gradually, when he established those deities, I remember at the lecture he was very nervous about that. What they were in those days, um, not everybody was wearing doni jagat. Sometimes just worshipped by devotees adorned in in jeans and gradually. Introduced other etiquettes and so forth. But we pointed down that he was, they were generous. What else? What's the time? Um, 12.40. <laughs> we're a little over time. There's a couple questions also. I'll try to ask them briefly. Uh, Mahara asks. Mahara. I read in Sermon of the Guardian by Srila Sridharmarish that Yoga Maya is the wife of Balaram. Can you speak a little more about that? Uh, no, not too much. Srila <laughs> <laughs> Sridharmarish's meaning there, I, I investigated that once. Uh, I don't think he, he doesn't mean it in literal sense. Um, that uh, obviously Balaram's not married to. Yogamaya and Purnamasi is the prominent uh, manifestation of Yogamaya, but there are other manifestations of Yogamaya or um, Lila Shakti, uh, like to, like Rindadevi, and so on and so forth. And um, I'd have to rethink it actually um, um, how he gave Param um, a, a rule similarly. Um, which caused him to make a connection between that Lila Shakti, Yogamaya, and Balaram. But at the moment, it's not, it's not coming to me. It's, do you, can you read? Do you have it before you? Can you read what he said? A paragraph or so about that. Okay, he says that. Um, the science, um, because of because in the science of Rasa, Dave's direct approach to Madhuri Ras is not admissible. He extends himself as a special potent yoga maya and goes to perform in that Madhuri Ras. And he also says that um, um, so he's um, Balaram and yoga maya are making. Um, special arrangements for Krishna Leela, so their relationship must be. Uh -huh. So that he, he's, he's talking about it. So not immediately. They both make that, that Nityananda Balaram may make arrangements for Radha uh, Krishna Leela directly by getting out of the way, even. Extensions, mm -hmm. he becomes the, the bed set, he becomes the hello, he becomes um, uh, the canopy. Extends himself in this way. He's in the background, putting that kind of role. Um, part of the scenery and so forth. So Yoga Maya is changing the scene all the time. He, he traced out some similarities like that. Painted in this way, um, but he's not speaking about it. 
you want to be married to. Uh, yeah. Does that help? Yes. Thank you. And uh, well, Gayatri had a question. But I think because we have QA next week, but they won't be able to ask oh, questions. Okay. And so Ananta Govinda asks, in Chaitanya Charitamrita, it is mentioned that Lord Chaitanya would chant japa on knots of a rope. Was it customary to chant on Tulsi beads? The, uh, yes, I mentioned that in Ostakam. Is it referred to Ostakam? It says Chaitanya Charitamrita. Oh, okay. Well, there's a Rupa Goswami up there. But um, this is all prior to the establishing the Sampadaya. Mm -hmm. Goswamis at this point, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was going to Jagannath Puri, um, chanting on a string of knots. This is prior to any of the Goswamis books being written, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu commissioning them to write and so forth. And one of those texts was written by um, Sanatana Goswami and Sanatana Gopal Bhatta Goswami, that's called Hari Bhakti Vilas. And in that book, you'll find one of the things that's going on there, establishing standards, procedures, mantras, worship, and so forth within the Sampradaya, giving it some structure. For there, he says, we change on Tulsi beads or lotus beads. They should be shaped like this or like this. There'll be 108 and so forth. So this is all prior. Or Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the description of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu would be referred to as prior. Um, to that, and that's the short answer. And we're short on time. Thank you all very much. Okay, thank you devotees. Um